Hi, welcome to the Southern Soil Podcast. My name is Leanna Tatum. I'm your host. Today and every day, we are talking about growing our local food communities. If you love growing food, cooking food, or if you just really love to eat good food, you are in the right place. So pull up a chair and let's get this conversation started. Thanks for joining the conversation today as I catch up with my friend, Tara Ruby. I first met Tara at the annual Boucherie event held at Comfort Farms in Milledgeville, Georgia. We refer to that event and the founder of Comfort Farms, John Jackson, several times throughout our conversation as the farm, that event specifically, and her friendships with John and others that she met there were the spark that started Tara down a journey of raising her own animals for meat. Tara and I further connected through my work with SD Gunner Fund as she was a recipient of a service dog named Tango through that organization and our friendship continued on several shared adventures as she was kind enough to lend her considerable talents as a photographer to enhance several articles in Southern Soil. I think you'll get some great insight into what it's like to be a homesteader and some of the benefits and trials that go along with it. You can follow Tara's journey on social media at Ruby Roost and Ranch and be sure to check out her beautiful photography on her official sites, Tara Ruby Photography. Now that you're all caught up, we'll jump straight into our conversation right after this. The SD Gunner Fund, located out of Richmond Hill, Georgia, serves veterans, first responders, and children living with disabilities while inspiring disability awareness through public education and advocacy. SD Gunner Fund is a therapy and service dog provider. Their service dogs are trained to support individuals with mobility, psychiatric, and brain and neurological disabilities. I have been involved with SD Gunner Fund for over seven years and have had the privilege of seeing the differences these dogs can make in the lives of the humans they serve. For more information on services provided or to find out how you can help with this worthwhile organization, check out their website at www.sdgunner.org. Interesting to watch sort of from a distance, but you know how your your farm kind of developed rather quickly. (laughs) in Georgia and then you did this whole Noah's Ark thing and moved everybody to Texas <laughs> in a U-Haul in a U-Haul yeah yes. so yes. what what sort of sparked that transition to wanting to raise your own your own animals for, well, for meat purposes John Jackson started at Comfort yeah. Farm I think the visit to Comfort Farm um, and, and not like, cause we had been to farms before. I mean, I grew up in Maryland. We grew up, my uncle lived across from a, a dairy farm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's not like I've never been to a farm or never seen farm animals, but I think going and, and learning like the therapy, the, um, mm-hmm. the, like the, the way that it can really help you as a person, I was like, well, that's just really cool. And then mm-hmm. eating, <laughs> I'm a foodie obviously. So eating the meat mm-hmm. and eating everything that is fresh and you know where it's from and you know where it came from and you know what it's been eating um that changed so much for us i mean we unless i really want like a specific type of meat we haven't Mm -hmm. bought meat in like two and a half years now so just the fact that i can just raise it and have my own um and now because we eat like that we go out to the store and we're like oh that meat looks horrible (laughs) right especially I mean not naming brand names like yeah like you go to their meat store and you're like I can't I just can't do it like um so it's definitely changed I I mean absolutely the way we live like a hundred percent I three years ago I don't think I would have ever thought I would be doing this but now Mm -hmm. I can't imagine not doing it Mm -hmm. yeah that that's pretty remarkable that in 
three years time. I mean, I know you had hunted before, but you had never raised an animal to kill it and then eat it before, right? So so you've kind of gone through this whole process of, it's been, and you've, you've done it kind of remarkably well. I mean, (laughs) I have a lot of friends. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we, I mean, growing up, I grew up with grandparents, of course, and we had raised rabbits. Um, but when it was time to process, we'll say process as we have a lot of toddlers running around. So we use the word process a lot around the house. Um, but we, the kids would have to go inside. And so I was never really out there when he you know, actually, you know, put the the animal down or if he was skinning or cleaning, like I didn't have to do that. But then my uncles were big hunters. And so, you know, we've, I've seen it, but I didn't actually never put my hands on it. And I think um, there's been some moments where, you know, I handed the gun over to my husband and was like, you're going to have to do this. I mean, Mm -hmm. our last pig, um, we got really attached to her. And so that one was, was like, I'm going to need a beer before yeah. we can go through this because you really do start to get emotionally attached and I've seen that um, anybody that's been through comfort farms or watched John or talked to John like I've seen John mm-hmm. get super emotional and I was like why would you cry over that but it's just meat and then you really get to know the animals and you're like mm-hmm. okay they can understand so that's been the hardest part but the actual like once the animal's down I mean the rest of it has just been super easy um, and then we're here <laughs> now in El Paso New Mexico I, State. I think maybe you have a different definition of easy than some of us. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of friends that are like, you do what? <laughs> um, especially here in El Paso, because Georgia is such a different community than El Paso. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the culture is different. The community is different. Um, Georgia's more like country. El Paso's more like city. Mm-hmm. Um, we live on the very outskirts of the city. So everybody's like, I mean, they just, most people have never met anybody that owns a farm here in El Paso. Most people have never mm. been to a farm, um, right. a homestead, a ranch, whatever, you know, term you want to call it. And they definitely have not thought about putting their own animals down to eat at all. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, you're crazy. But then they come over to eat and they're like, this is fantastic. And I was like, right. let me explain why. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun, kind of fun to watch, kind of fun to teach. Um, and to think that one person could spark something that, you know, is now reaching all these different yeah. people here in El Paso and John's never met them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the great things about sort of, you know, the idea of growing the local food movement is that, you know, one person learns how to garden and they get excited about it and they teach somebody else. And that person is like, oh, that's cool. And so they plant something, you know, and next thing you know, it's kind of gone out you know all spread. over right <laughs> so it, and it really is cool it has spread huge um so i mean obviously i've gotten to know um the family that runs tuscan cattle here in el paso really well and then we have some military veteran friends um that are also kind of in that community and then like last week there's a, a thing called mwr it's morale welfare and recreation on fort bliss fort bliss is the biggest military installation in the u.s oh wow um, Fort Bliss is the same size as Rhode Island. We were here before, so we already knew that, but now we're coming back with like this whole different mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking at like a whole different group of people. And um, it, there's so much stuff that has grown here that people are like onions, corn, uh, obviously tons of peppers, pecans are huge, mm-hmm. um, cotton is huge. So we're getting out into that community and getting really to know people. But I've met with MWR, one of the, the higher 
uh, individuals had lunch with them. And we started talking because he's friends with me and has kind of followed my Facebook as well and is just mm-hmm. like, I really just want to talk to you about it. So we started talking about the boot tree um, mm-hmm. and talked about Comfort Farms. And Fort Bliss has a huge wounded warrior community. They actually have like a whole building mm-hmm. designed for the soldiers that are in their way transitioning out because of some kind of wounded injury. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about doing something similar to that here because yeah. they're like, just because they've watched me be a photographer in an event that when I started, I had no idea. Right um, now they're like, we're seeing the benefits. We're seeing the change. We're seeing your response and your energy. How mm-hmm. do we bring that here to the soldiers here? Yeah. So let's add that to the plate of <laughs> my already busy <laughs> Things schedule. To do. Yeah. But I mean, the, the concept that this could, you know, progress outside, um, of yeah. just that little area in Georgia is, is super fun. And, yeah. you know, I'm just having fun with my animals, but I think that there could be more after mm-hmm. this. So yeah. we'll see what happens. So just to give a little bit of background for those who don't know you, you yourself are a military veteran. So you served in the air force, correct? Yes. Okay. And then you are also married to um, army. a career <laughs> army. <laughs> so you're a military <laughs> wife as well. Um, and John Jackson and Comfort Farms, for those who may not know, w- was founded in order to help as a crisis intervention for veterans um, with, you know, John himself has talked about his struggle with suicide and, and how farming literally changed his life. And you've kind of touched on that a couple of times. Are you, would you like to talk a little bit more about how I, it has helped I you? I would, there are, um, so my husband's been deployed minus, you know, a few weeks here and there between these two deployments uh, for pretty much about 14 months now. And I have a teenage daughter. Um, I have a photography business that is, uh, we're going to say relatively successful. So I'm, I'm <laughs> quite, so, yeah. <laughs> quite busy with my photography. Um, and and then of course we moved. And so anybody that moves, I, that's just a whole bunch of stress all by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, we've bought two houses in, in less than 12 months. Um, so we've went through that whole process of buying houses and moving and reintegrating and then the deployment. So life has been extremely stressful and yeah. you cannot get depressed when you have a farm because mm-hmm. when you have when you have that moment where you're like, I just want to stay in bed um, and I just want to sink into my hole and go away and I want people to go away and I want nobody to leave, you just leave me alone. You can't do that because your animals survive because of you. Mm -hmm. So the number one thing that it does for me is I have to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. I can't just lay in bed. I can't be depressed. I can't, um, you know, lock myself away and, and not talk to people. I have to get up and I have to go take care of it. And I can be having like, the worst day and I have mm-hmm. two goats out of all of my goats. I have two goats <laughs> that I mean York and and my new goat that I just got, Charlie, she has attached herself to me. Mm-hmm. Um and it's like they know me. Tango, I have a service dog Tango with SD Gunner and Tango mm-hmm. knows, but the goats have become just, I don't know. I can't even explain it. Like they want to get up here and they want to eat my shirt and then they want to play right. with me. And then they're into stuff like toddlers and we get so involved with taking care of them that by the time I'm done taking care of them, I forgot why I was so upset. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just a, it's just an awesome concept. And now having friends and bringing them into it. I mean, obviously we're military, so we have all these military friends that are going through so many different things and you bring them over to the farm and you see the same thing happen with them. And you're like, this is a pretty cool concept. Yeah. Um, 
to think that somebody just go play with goats for an hour and you're like, ah, <laughs> life was so much better. I mean, you can't get upset when you got baby goats running all over the place. So, right, I, I can attest to that. They are they are very therapeutic. <laughs> They are. They are. I mean, the rest of my animals are definitely therapeutic. Um, but I think my goats have been that that's the farm animal that um, I think I'm just super attached to. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'll talk about everybody else. but I really like my goats. Right. So your goats, are you raising those? I know you're doing it primarily for for dairy purposes, right? Are you, mm-hmm. you doing any of them for, for, are you processing any of them for me? No, <laughs> we are not. Um, although I think I am pretty sure, I mean, we've gotten our goats from kind of all over the place. I think mm-hmm. most of them are Nigerian dwarves. I'm positive. I've got like one or two pygmies. Um, and then I think we're going to have a mix. So the pygmies have been actually raised for meat. They're thicker. They have a lot more meat on their bones. <clears throat> and the Nigerian dwarves are more of a milking breed. So a mm-hmm. lot of people have actually started breeding the two to get kind of the best of both worlds. Um, right. But I, I, <laughs> if my husband would hear this, he would totally agree. I cannot put them down. I can't, mm-hmm. I am super attached to them. Um, and so we were like, what else can we do? So we are now sticking more towards the Nigerian side of it so that we can have the milk. Um, we just bred all of our females, um, <laughs> Gary will come back from deployment like by the way everybody out in the yard's pregnant we're gonna have a crap ton of babies um welcome home <laughs> yeah welcome home but um we are gonna have plenty of goat's milk here in Texas I can actually sell my goat's milk out of my farm um so I have That's a couple cool. bakers that I've already started talking to that are super interested because when you get excited about it and you're talking mm-hmm. to them um you know, my favorite thing to talk about is if you've never had a pound cake with goat's milk and duck eggs, you mm. are missing out because it's a completely wow. different type of pound cake. So we started talking. So they're interested in getting milk. And then um, I've actually had like one of the local high school kids has reached out to me and wants a couple of my babies because she's going to raise them for like FFA. I can't remember. Future Farmers, FFA, Future Farmers FFA. of America. Yeah. So she wants to, to raise a couple and she was like, you know, we're here in the area. All the kids from the school are going to help raise them. Um, oh. And so I, you know, I don't even think I'm going to sell them. I think I'm just going to donate them to the school mm-hmm. so that I can watch them, you know, grow up. And to think now, I mean, you watch what's going on in the world and I, in no way do we need to go political with this, but like, yeah, we need to teach our kids because if not, they're never going to know like schools aren't going to teach them unless you're lucky enough to be in that FFA community or an ag Mm -hmm. community. They're not going to know. So I was super excited that she reached out to me. Um, and so we're, you know, got a couple other conversations we're going to have, but to think that just because I wanted to just for fun and just because John sparked an interest in something Mm -hmm. that I didn't even know I was interested in. Now I could potentially be teaching like the next generation, of course. Yeah. Kylie's super, my daughter, she's super excited to, to be a part of it. She helps out on the farm all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, just doing my part in whichever direction it seems to come my way. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. And I think too, like one of the things you're talking about where people who, and there's a jet flying over of course right now, but um, people <laughs> who aren't used to seeing where their meat comes from tend to kind of think of it as oh that's so mean how could someone you know kill this animal or they must not care about 
animals or, you know, they must be mean people or something. Right. So I think it's important for people to see people like you and you love, I mean, you know, you care about the animals, even the ones that, that you're raising to process. I mean, and it's, it's obvious in watching you with them and, and, um, and having that opportunity. And it's not about, you know, being mean to that animal. It's actually about giving that animal the chance to live a good life and then become a good source of meat. Can you kind of talk a little bit about <laughs> how you sort of, uh, cause I know you do, you're not processing your goats, but you do raise pigs. Yeah. We've had pigs and cows, turkeys, ducks, geese, chickens, quail. Right. Um, so those are the ones that we kind of process. Although I do have a turkey already in the freezer from when we left in Georgia. So I'm actually right. not going to process any turkeys, which I'm sure is going to frustrate my husband, but it's okay. <laughs> um, things start to like accumulate too. Like you start with one, you end up with six. I don't know what happened. Right. Um, I don't know how that happened. Right. But we, and then like we've, it wasn't, it's not just, you know, we're raising them to eat. It's like, we're raising them to eat to have the best food available. So mm -hmm. like I have a couple um, extra male ducks that you don't need too many more ducks than you do females. So we're going to process the males and we're not just going to process them to put them in the freezer. We're going to make like duck prosciutto with it. So we're going to mm -hmm. take it like a step farther. Um, and that's simply because I met, you know, a gentleman at the butchery that does the chartreuse meats. And so he's been kind of directing me towards it. Cause I'm like, I'm going to have all this extra duck and I only have so much freezer space. What do I do? And so right. finding different cool ways to use it, finding different recipes. Um, it's constantly a challenge to kind of see what, you know, what can I do next? Mm -hmm. That's better than what I've been doing before. Um, and it goes back to sharing. Like, um, we have survived the last few weeks because we already obviously knew a bunch of people here, but we've made new friends and having them over to the house and being able to like put out a spread and mm -hmm. let them taste it and try it. And, you know, obviously somebody that's preparing it, you you love hearing all the feedback, um, right. but knowing that they're going to go home and start to think about their food quality a little bit different. Um, yeah. It, it's awesome. It's, it's a really cool concept. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty cool. So you, and you've kind of, even though you had done some preserving of meat, like you've learned how to make, you make your own bacon and. I do. I do. In <laughs> fact, um, so the new challenge is uh, I was just talking to Tuscan cattle and I was like, you know, I'm, I, I, we only have about one pig at a time at, mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, we are going to start moving into red wattle, which is a whole different breed here in Texas. Um, mm -hmm. And so I have a, a red wattle mix right now, but with my husband being gone, I was like one pig at a time because pigs get yeah. really big, really fast. <laughs> so yeah. The and you had a fun I, experience with your, your first one, right? But <laughs> I've had all kinds, had all kinds of experiences with my pigs and you know what? Pigs are a great garbage disposal. So I, I don't want to not have a pig because mm -hmm. like, even when, like in the summer, we make tons of salad and you have all that leftover stuff from making your salad and people just throw it away. And I'm like, dude, don't throw it away. I have a pig. Right. Like, she likes lettuce and tomatoes and carrot ends and cucumber ends and like, just bring those and out. It's better than throwing it away. Like right. it's, it's going to something good. Um, so we do have a pig right now, but I love <laughs> making bacon and I smoked. Uh, I actually went, so we have found that not only do we spend money in the animals, we spend money in all of these other things. So I went and got like a really nice grill so that I could smoke my own bacon and smoke my own meat. Um, and, I have a, another friend that we met at um, 
Comfort Farms who introduced me to the Texas, I think it's a whiskey or a bourbon, the TX whiskey. We used that and some brown sugar and some other stuff and made a really cool marinade, actually cured my own bacon, smoked it. And then <laughs> I w- now I'm addicted because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to go keto so I can just eat meat all day long, every day <laughs> and not have to worry about it. But yeah. I, I talked to Tuscan Cattle and was like, I'm, I'm literally like I, I'm running out of bacon. I can't, I cannot run out of bacon. <laughs> I need bacon. I was like, do you know somebody that's local? Cause I don't want to go buy bacon at the store anymore. Cause now I know the difference in the flavors. And so he's helping me get, you know, some, some pork bellies. And then he's actually like, if you're willing to try something, I want to, he said, I can play with it. I've, I've heard about it. He's like, but I want to try some beef bacon. Hmm. And to think that, I'm in a position now where, I mean, obviously we're friends, but to think that somebody would trust me enough to take their meat that they've raised and actually turn it into something um, that is definitely edible (laughs) or somebody else. Like I was like, yeah, let's try it. I mean, why not? Um, And so I, we've definitely gotten into things that like buying curing salt, never thought I would buy that, um, <laughs> buying stuff to make my own sausages, never thought I would buy that. Um, so we have all these things now that I'm like, oh my God, my kitchen just went from like, I have enough pots and pans to, <laughs> you know, all of these. Now different... you need a commercial kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we spent, you know, we, every couple weeks, um, I go and I update, like I've updated my food processor, um, my next big thing I think is going to be like a really good dehydrator because Mm -hmm. I do want to raise it, but I, you know, what's the best way to preserve it for long-term. Right. And because I have filled up two freezers, so we cannot put anything in the freezer at the moment because it's full of stuff, uh, which isn't a bad thing, but how do we, how do we preserve this? And then while I'm doing it, I'm going to drag my daughter into it, whether she likes it or not, so that she knows how to do it later in life. Yeah. Yeah, good skill to know. Right. Especially I think, you know, 2020 was such a an eye-opener for a lot of people about our food supply system and how, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot. <laughs> a few little bumps in the road to disrupt that supply line and suddenly you're going to the grocery store, you know, looking for things that aren't there. So certainly having those skills and, you know, that's a certain level of security and just just being smart about, you know, taking care of yourself too. I think COVID changed a lot, a lot mm-hmm. of conversation, like health, like, you know, how can I be as healthy as possible? Mm-hmm. Oh, let me think about what I'm putting in my body. Yeah. Um, and if you were in the canning community in the last 18, 19 months, it is impossible to find jars and jar lids. Yeah. Like, so obviously there's this huge, like jump back to, um, I, we're not going to say hoarding, but like no, we're just... going to go back to like making sure that we have stuff in our pantries in case yeah. something happens. Yeah. Um, and that was interesting to see. Cause you know, I grew up with a huge canner. I mean, my grandmother can, she has canned so much canned food in her basement um, that she has been just since I can remember. I mean, there are certain times of the year where certain things were canned mm-hmm. and it just was like a normal, that's just a normal thing. And people here are still like, you're canning. Why are you canning? What are you canning? Right. How do you do it? Can you teach me? And, um, like it was just normal for me. So it's very interesting to think that there are people that have never, never opened up, you know, a can of, of home, you know, home canned Mm -hmm. ingredients that might've been like straight from the garden. Right. Yeah. And it's a different experience. I haven't done a lot of it. My, my dad's mother 
was very big and that kind of stuff, but she passed away before I was ever even born. So I didn't, you know, grow up with that, but, um, I have done a little bit of canning over the years and it's something I would like to get into more. Um, and then that way, when things come in season, when it is the summer and tomatoes are coming out your ears, instead of them sitting there on the (laughs) counter rotting, you know, you can them and then you eat them in the winter, you know, down the road. So exactly. Yeah. But I will tell you, like, so canning takes up so much space. <laughs> yeah. You have to have room to store the jars. I mean, you have to have room to store it because I water bath all of mine. So I have two big pots, three, mm-hmm. bugs. actually I have three big pots. So, I mean, when we moved from our old house, everything kind of had its place at the old house. And when we moved to this house, I was like, oh, I can't fit it all everywhere. So I really had to kind of find unique and creative ways to store my, my jars and mm-hmm. um, trying to find lids and, you know, at first, my family kind of just giggled at me, uh, but I mean, I w- if I find jar lids, I buy them because mm-hmm. you just don't know when they're going to be there again. So now I have like, you know, this mass amount of jar <laughs> lids, but I was like, look, when I want to can something, I don't have to go to the store because yeah. I know I have some at home. Um, and then even my grandmother, she's still canning and she had a hard time finding stuff, but obviously she's in that community where they're actively still doing it. Mm-hmm. So we would find stuff down here and I mailed her a box of stuff mm-hmm. um, so that she could have it because it's, it's just like this new wash of people yeah. that are <clears throat> determined to do it. So that that's a challenge, like storing <laughs> I have all of this stuff now <laughs> yeah. to help support <laughs> this new uh, lifestyle. Yeah. Um, it's not a hobby anymore. I think we've passed that. At first I was like, I'm just going to do this as a hobby. And it's just something mm-hmm. that we're going to do on the side. And uh, now this is just how we live every day yeah. and trying to make sure that we have every, <laughs> everything stored so that it doesn't look like a hoarder's house when they walk in, <laughs> because I mean, it can stack up really fast, yeah. but um, we've been like, we've got, I probably have like 20 pounds of um, apples because it's been apple season here. Oh, okay. So I have some apples to do and I have not done apples. So every year I just kind of want to like learn something else. Yeah. And face, Facebook, even though we all love to hate Facebook, there's so many groups out yeah. on Facebook that I go out in these groups. And I'm like, oh, they can that. I want to try that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll it's a good, a good place to find community and to, to find answers for certain things there's like a dog fight going on outside the window oh, no. it's blue it's blue with you it's not mine because I made sure they're like shut up in rooms where they're quiet okay <laughs> I think it's a little quieter this is the issue I have especially being at mom and dad's house and not at my house because they live like right in town at least I'm kind of so if for <clears throat> for somebody who might be thinking about especially in terms of, of raising their own animals. Um, I know that you've learned a lot of lessons along the way, I'm sure. Are there any things that's anything that stands out that would be like, Hey, I really wish that I, I knew this, this earlier. Yeah. <laughs> or, or I think the number one thing, and it, it, I mean, we've been lucky with both houses, but make sure you're allowed to have animals. Yeah. Um, the, like we were talking like there's all these Facebook groups and communities and there's so many people that go out and they buy animals and some of these animals are an investment. I mean, they're not like a dollar or $2. You're, yeah. you're going to invest money in this. Um, and to come to find out that, you know, they're in a 
HOA or their neighbors found out that it's illegal and it's called the cops or called the city and then they have to get rid of their animals. Yeah. Um, so uh, before you do this, you have to make sure um, that you're able to do this. We were out in the county in Georgia and then here our, we're on the very edge of El Paso. So we're actually zoned farm and ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, so making sure that you're allowed to do it because you right. do not want to invest in this and then realize you can't. Um, and then <laughs> you're going to work a lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna work a lot. I have fibromyalgia. Um, and I think we've talked about that before. And I'm, you know, I have some other stuff. And it's on um, there are days, especially when it's turning cold that it, mm-hmm. it's hard to get out there and start doing it. Um, but the rewards are worth the pain. And I mean, is it going to be easy? No. Is it going to be expensive? It can be. Um, so I mean, it's an investment, right? Um, we have friends that are going out and buying like, you know, the new Xbox or the new PlayStation. And I'm like, I bought a cow. (laughs) You know, so it's all about priorities. (laughs) Yeah. It's all about priorities. And, um, will everybody agree with your decision? No. And like, I know you were talking about people's opinions. I have heard both sides. I have friends that absolutely support me. And then I have friends who have no problem telling me what they think about what we do. Um, I'm going to tell you, they probably don't end up being friends for very long mm-hmm. um, because I don't need somebody else to come and tell me what they think about how I'm living my life. Um, yeah. So we have really started finding that this kind of focuses or kind of like tunnels our friends. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, if you can't think like this or or you don't understand why we're doing this, then you know, I just don't think we can yeah. be friends. And nobody talks about that, you know, because it, it's hard that you've put so much hard work and blood, I mean, literally blood, sweat, and tears into this, um, bruises, (laughs) many, many bruises, many, many sore muscles. Um, luckily I haven't broke anything, but I mean, you're really putting your physical self into making this happen just to have somebody come over to the house and tell you how you're a horrible person because you're, you know, you're going to eat this animal. Why would you do Mm. this if you're just going to eat it? I mean, we've heard it all Mm -hmm. and, we just quit hanging out with them. Yeah. And those <laughs> because, same people have no problem going to the grocery store and buying meat. No, you know, it's, or McDonald's you know. eating whatever McDonald's is going to call, you know, right. a hamburger. Like, right. I mean, it, it is what it is, but that's okay because, yeah. you know, we do still believe that um, I don't have to be friends with everybody. I don't have yeah. to agree with everybody. But we have found, though, the most interesting thing is that the friends that I've made out of this, um, you, John, everybody at Comfort Farms, um, the people that we have met here in El Paso, they all feel and think about a lot of things very similar to us. Mm-hmm. So you really do start to find, you know, this close knit group of people. Yeah. Another thing I think w- as good advice is not only are you going to really figure out who your friends are, your friends will understand that you are going to be busy all the time. <laughs> there is no like, hey, we're going to go away for the weekend. Do you want to go with us? Yeah, I can't just get up and go away. I can't go take a vacation. I have animals. Um, And so people have kind of started to learn what our schedule is, um, what our feeding schedule is. Mm -hmm. Um, I I can't do something today because I have to drive, you know, two hours to go get hay. I mean, it changes your availability a little bit. Um, But once you get into a a habit and a pattern and you figure out what works for you and your farm or your ranch, um, then it's, you know, then it's a little bit easier, but that transition period is, is kind of challenging. Yeah. I'm um, sure. And we've had to turn down some stuff. And then 
you know, on vacations, what's a vacation? <laughs> I don't know what a vacation is anymore. But, you know, once you get into that community, uh, and that's a big thing I've even seen in the Facebook groups, like everybody's like, do you just not vacation when you decide to live this life anymore? And it's, you really have to have that community within your area. And right. then kind of like everybody just takes turn watching everybody else's animals so right. that everybody can take a break. Um, because yeah. it is, it, it's taxing. It's an everyday job. It's not like once a week, once a month. Yeah. When you feel <laughs> like it. Time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all the time, but I think we're getting to where we're hopefully when, you know, my husband comes home from deployment, we have friends and family that'll keep an eye on everything here so that mm -hmm. we can actually go and take a break. Because if, if we didn't have those friends, we literally can't leave. Right. Yeah. Is there anything that you would say was your, your biggest challenge in this process? The hardest yeah, thing. What, my, my hardest thing so far is we lost a baby goat. Mm. Um, so it was my first, my first goat delivery. Um, I was super attached. I still am super attached to Smars. She's my little pygmy. Mm -hmm. uh, she is not a big girl. I had got her pregnant. Um, so we had no idea what was going on. Um, and she had meaning that she was pregnant when you got her. Yeah, we got her pregnant. She was already right. she had already been bred. So we don't know like anything about I mean, obviously, now we worry about size to make sure that, you know, yeah. we don't get really big babies or anything. So we had no idea what to expect. Um, and then being a mom and having Kylie right there watching, too, I was like, you know, mm -hmm. I really want to make sure everything's going well. Kylie wants to go into the ag community. So she actually handled it way better than I thought. But mm -hmm. um, we're not going to get graphic in it, but it was not yeah. a good it was not a good experience. It was in the middle of the night. Um, we realized as it was happening that there was no after hours vet in mm -hmm. our community to come help mm -hmm. us my husband was deployed i'm calling him he's like i'm in korea what do you want me to do i'm like okay, right. never mind. <laughs> um, some some advice i need advice yeah. so we realized just how alone we were yeah um, yeah but because of that experience even though it was absolutely the worst moment so far i mean it was it, it's going to be hard to top that um and i mean we've had animals that you know passed away for whatever reason mm -hmm. after this but that one was really hard but since that kylie has wanted to go into the ag community as like a vet mm. or a vet tech or even like you know a portable a portable vet mobile vet <laughs> mobile yeah same thing uh but she she was like you know i there's a need, there's right? A need. There are still people that are doing this and it's really unfair for that community to not have somebody to, yeah. to help because you should have somebody that you can call in case something bad happens. And so, you know, who knows, maybe I've got, you know, the next big vet <laughs> going yeah. to school with me because yeah. she realized how hard it was. And not only was it hard to deal with it, it was hard to not get emotional because mm -hmm. she's watching. So right. I had to kind of be you know, this rough and tough mom. Um, and she was, she did really good. She, neither of us cried, neither of us got upset. You know, everybody thinks you're a girl, you're going to get all emotional and you can't handle it. But I mean, we're actually really strong individuals, uh, but it was, it was hard. That one yeah. was, that was rough. Yeah, that would be hard. And now a quick word about our sponsor. True Earth is dedicated to developing new innovative and sustainable farming practices in order to improve the soil itself and the quality of the products grown there. Whether it's their all-natural fertilizers for the soil or all-natural tinctures and oils from the pharmacy, True Earth is your source for medicine for the earth and medicine from the earth. For more information, visit their website, trueearth.co. 
So I know a lot of people, like people call chickens the gateway animal. That that was pretty much your gateway animal, wasn't it? Didn't you start with start with chickens? Yep. We started yeah. with chickens, um, and then we went to ducks, and then I think we got turkeys and quails about the same time. We had peacocks while we were in Georgia. Um, so we really did like kind of all of the poultry. I think yeah. we like you know checked it all off. Minus my emus, I think we've checked off like most of the poultry now. Um, we had geese. We had geese in Georgia. We have geese now. Um, and I mean, they're, they're awesome for the eggs, but I, I just, I will tell you, honestly, we don't eat that much chicken. <laughs> we eat duck more than we do chicken now. Do you? Um, we don't eat a lot of chicken. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of, I don't know if that's good or bad, but we found that we just have so much pork because we mm-hmm. go through, you know, a pig. We probably do two pigs a year that we process. And then we were doing a lot of the wild pig while we were in Georgia. So mm, we, right. we, we did so just pork is a normal, like if you come to my house, I'm going to guarantee you like 75% of the time it's a pork meal. Yeah. Like we just eat a lot of pork. I don't know if my doctor appreciates that, but you know, it doesn't yeah. have any preservatives or any weird hormones. Exactly. We don't, we don't give shots. We don't, you know, I don't, I want my animals to just be completely holistic. They just are healthy. Yeah. Nothing crazy in it. So I don't know if necessarily it's as bad because I have some people like, oh my gosh, you're gonna have a heart attack eating all that pork. Mm, and it's yeah. not the same. It, it's not, it's not the same as what you're getting in the store. Um, and also when so you're, ra- when like you're raising the pork, you're out there, you're, you're doing a lot of exercise too. <laughs> so you're getting yeah. in your workout. Lots of exercise. <laughs> Um, I not really quite think, like though, just going and buying it at the store. <laughs> we, um, we definitely, I can definitely pick up things that are heavier now than when we started. Um, when we started, there's a two string bale of hay. I think it weighs I think, probably 50, 60 pounds. We've mm. progressed up to the three string. It weighs a hundred pounds. I can pick it up by myself now. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't moan and groan and like, all right. all weird, but I mean, you definitely find that you get stronger picking up all the stuff. Um, yeah. And then just dealing sure. with the animals. I mean, if I have to pick up one of my goats, that's why we stayed with the smaller goats. So I can actually manage them and move them and pick them up if I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, cows are a little bit different because you can't keep a cow little. <laughs> right. <laughs> they get yeah. huge. Um, and then we don't let our pigs get super big. I mean, I've heard people that are like, my pig is 400 pounds. And I'm like, there's no way. I can handle, I physically cannot handle a 400 pounds. So you really have to know your limitations on what you right. can and can't do and what you're comfortable with. Um, when Gary comes home and he's home, we might let the pigs get a little bit bigger just because he's home to help. Yeah. But when it's just me and, and Kylie, there's no way we can handle that big animal. So you really right. have to kind of know what you're keeping. And I think that's why we started with the poultry because you're like, well, I can manage a chicken. How hard is mm-hmm. that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of not a bad place to start. Yeah. Yeah. You actually prefer, cause I know like you prefer duck eggs, right? Love, the chicken I eggs. Love which duck I eggs. love duck eggs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. So do you see yourself like ever not having chickens or do you no, I mean, still have the so, chickens for the, well, I got into, um, if you don't know, I definitely, there's plenty of information out on, on Google, but I actually got into two of the smaller chicken breeds. Um, while we were in Georgia, I really like the Millie de Flores. They look like little cheetah print chickens mm-hmm. they're little and then the saramas i got a bunch of saramas and so then i started actually for no other reason than i can and i'm bored and i want to um <laughs> we started mixing them and breeding them together and was getting i mean these like little itty bitty chickens and they lay an mm-hmm. egg that's like the size of the tip of your thumb my husband's oh, like wow. why <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing with those eggs um so we have a collection of little eggs and we give them to the pig 
uh-huh. unless I'm unless I'm gonna uh, I mean I I'm not gonna be doing any more chicken incubation over the winter because it does get really cold in the desert so yeah. I'm not even gonna try and deal with that but I mean I use them to give them to the the pig right now so I get what I want out of them they're fun they're cute they're just <laughs> there's no purpose in these chickens <laughs> other than you yeah. like them um but all those extra eggs go to the the pig and the pig is getting all the extra protein, which is just going to increase, you know, what I want yeah. out of her. And yeah. we've been doing that since we got pigs. Um, and I even like with my last pig, um, I s- actually showed, you know, a couple of the people here, I was like, look at all of the fat marbling in my pig. And they just could not get over the difference in the way the meat looked. And I was mm-hmm. they're like, what are you feeding her? And I'm like, eggs and vegetables. <laughs> and she gets beer every once in a while. Um, <laughs> yeah really and then it's just learning so as every pig that we've raised we go back to you know some of the different chefs and farmers that we've met while we were doing this journey and I'm like you know hey what what could I introduce into the diet that's natural Mm -hmm. or what you know how do I how do I get her ready for processing I mean we, we have a complete diet change about six weeks before we process so that we can get what we want out of them and I mean it's it's uh, a lot more time consuming. I mean, everybody, I think everybody thinks, well, you just have animals in your backyard and you can play mm-hmm. with them. And no, <laughs> there's yeah. a process and thought that goes behind this. And, you know, if I'm going to, it's, I've had a lot of people now here say, are you going to get a horse? I'm like, there's no purpose in a horse. There's mm-hmm. nothing that I can get out of the horse that would help me in the farm. So, you know, the argument when we brought these little chickens, because my husband was like, seriously, like, what are you doing? I'm like, but the eggs I can give to the pigs. There's a, right. there's a purpose. Right. I can do something with them. Um, and, you know, even like a pony, a donkey. I mean, we've, we've talked about a couple of things. I'm like, but there's no, there's yeah. no purpose. So yeah, I'm just adding another cute animal into the mix. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and they eat a lot more and they get big and, um, I don't, yeah. I don't want a, a, you know, a 16 hand horse. Like I just have no desire for something that big. So we have really kind of just kept what we could manage. I did recently though, just get about six to eight more baby chicks um, okay. just because I do want some of the bigger chicken eggs. And if I get a lot of eggs from them last year, I'm probably just gonna turn around and sell them because food is expensive. So yeah. they have to start paying their own food bill. Yeah. Just how it is. Um, yeah. And food is not going down. So, I mean, as much as food is going up for us in the grocery store, it's also going up for us as feed, like our feed prices are going up. Um, And so we've thought about, like, we've even changed some of the diets. We were giving our pig corn and we progressed her over to oatmeal because it's cheaper than corn right now. Um, So a lot of oats and and natural stuff like that and not so much corn. Yeah. It's just learning what you can and can't do, making sure that they still get the nutrients that they need um, and doing it as natural as possible because these, (laughs) the world is crazy and the prices are weird and crazy Mm -hmm. and they're all over the place. Um, So, you know, obviously you don't ever want to have this kind of life and then like, you know, run out of money in your bank account because you've spent it all on the animals. Right. So yeah. Trying to balance it all. So let's pretend Gary's not listening. What <laughs> <laughs> he's not. <laughs> how does how does how has that balance worked out? I know that initially it's probably you're putting out a lot more than you're saving. But has it... back. I don't I mean now, especially now watching the price of meat. So when mm-hmm. he was home in between the deployments and we had just moved here, uh, we had had a bunch of 
uh, meat that we were getting ready to grind for hamburger, but we were actually all out of hamburger, like beef hamburger. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, well, we'll just run to the store, which we knew we weren't going to like. So I don't know why we did this, but we we're like, we'll just run to the store and get some. Yeah. Um, and when we bought, it was, I, it was like 10, I think it was like 10 or $11 for some ground beef. And we were like, what in the world? Uh, because mm-hmm. we haven't paid attention to the meat prices. Right. And we just could not get over how expensive <laughs> meat was. Yeah. And so now I've kind of just been monitoring it. And it's like, you know, I, I mean, we're putting money in it. I cannot tell. I am not the financial person in the relationship. So I literally can't tell you like numbers. Mm-hmm. But to me, it honestly I know Gary, like Gary's not listening. It doesn't matter (laughs) because I think what I'm getting out of it is worth whatever Mm -hmm. I'm going to put in it. Is it cheap? No. Is it worth the investment? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I mean, we're just getting so much better product. Um, Mm -hmm. And the therapy behind it, it, I don't Mm -hmm. know if you can put a price tag on the therapy that you can get from this. Yeah. So it's worth it. That's a whole next level when it comes to value. Right protecting your mental health and and not going crazy yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> good very thing. important good thing to not go crazy <laughs> all right well um I think we've talked about a lot of the things I, I wanted to talk about with you I think it's just been it's been kind of fun for me I mean like when I first met you like I said we we've known each other I guess for like uh what, oh, like a three, long time now three or four years maybe I think I'm I think I met you when I started talking to SD Gunner. So it's been, it's yeah, been a it few was, years. it was the first time, the first boucherie event that you covered. Yeah. I think so January met, like, will be four. Yeah. January will be four years. Yeah. So Which it's I'm been, coming back. I'm part of the boucherie. Like we're going to, I'm coming back to Georgia in, in January to cover it. Yeah. Awesome. I plan to, to be there too. Um, and for anybody who's listening and doesn't know, the boucherie is, a, is an annual event that, well, I mean, boucheries are held all over the place, but this particular one is an annual <laughs> event held at Comfort Farms, and it involves um, butchering demonstrations, and they kind of, they there's always one hog that gets processed um, they usually do some other animals as well they do a collection I mean it's just and what, it's, I think it's just whatever animal John picks that year <laughs> yeah or what other you know what's available because some other farmers or people will bring things in but it's it's kind of like you know learning that process of what what goes on and how how you know we get meat <laughs> Right. But but it's it's really like the first one that I went to, I w- went to the a year before where when I met you and um, it seemed like the animal processing, as we're calling it, happened more as part of that event. But um, I didn't know what to expect because I had never seen an, an animal die before. You know, that was your first introduction. Uh, it was to my it. first introduction. <laughs> and the reason I went was because I had kind of been going through this journey myself where I was questioning the ethics of meat. And especially when I was learning about how it was being done conventionally and just, it's just pretty horrific if you look into it. And I really felt like if I was going to ask someone else, to kill an animal for me so that I could eat meat, I should at least be willing to go see what that process looks like. Yeah. 
So um, that was why I first went. And, and I was really blown away by how, and this is going to sound weird, but how spiritual that experience was. Oh, you feel it. Every part of you feels it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't believe now. I mean, Gary's army, the longer he's in the army, the more I think his feelings are, a li- I mean, most veterans, mm-hmm. they're either non-feeling at all or they feel everything. Like there's mm-hmm. one of the two veterans, right? So I feel like I feel everything and Gary feels nothing. So we kind of mm-hmm. like even each other out, but you feel it. Like, and mm-hmm. he acts like he doesn't, like he, he actually was the one that pulled the trigger with our last pig. And, you know, I, I saw it. I was like, mm-hmm. this isn't that easy. Like you think it is. You're like, I'm just going to mm-hmm. go out and we'll pull the trigger and it'll be easy. It's, it's not, you're, you're mm-hmm. taking a life. Yeah. Like it, it should not be easy. If it is easy, we should probably go see a counselor. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is not easy. And that's the uh, part that I think people who eat meat, but then who judge people like you <laughs> who are killing your own meat. I think that's where there's such a disconnect because yes, killing that animal should be hard because that's, and meat should be expensive because that life has value. And I think you don't really see that unless you see that, <laughs> unless you well, see that nobody, process. It's not just the, the actual moment where you process the animal. It's also mm-hmm. like, let's talk about the quality of life because I know that there's mm-hmm. some Netflix shows out there um, that are actually starting to show what the quality of life has been for years with right. these animals. And so you're eating this, judging me but you come and see my animal, except my pig, she runs around in circles. She's wiggling her tail. Mm-hmm. She's kicking her feet up. She's happy as can be. That's not how the, the pigs are when right. you're buying that meat at work. Like it's, right. it's just a different lifestyle. Right. Um, so, I mean, am I, am I doing it? Yes. But I will tell you, my pig is a thousand times happier than the mm-hmm. pigs that you're buying. Your exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, which is more ethical, you know, buying an animal that was literally, I mean, let's be frank, was tortured its entire life and then is killed by someone that, you know, is being paid to do it. And and if you're paid to do that and you're in that environment, what is that doing psychologically to that person? Um, Yeah. And, and you're, you know, so you're demanding that someone else do that for you so that you can be okay with going to the grocery store and buying your meat in a nice little package. Well, and as opposed to the person who like you, is investing blood, sweat, tears, you know, into this animal, giving an animal the life it was created. Supposed to, to have. Live, right. Supposed to and, have. And then, you know, ending that life and, and not, and the, the beautiful thing about it is, is that life doesn't end because that then becomes a source of, yeah, it's a of big life circle. and food and nutrient, you know? So um, yeah, it's kind of a beautiful thing. And I wish more people, could get beyond the oh my gosh you kill an animal part to yeah the the, well, the beautiful aspect of it i mean i know we're getting to the end but you know another thing that we haven't really touched on either is all of the hormones and so mm-hmm. having a daughter i i especially a daughter that's going into puberty and mm-hmm. you know will quickly become a young woman what hormones do i want have to have her in her body like i don't want her eating right these animals that have been shot up with God knows what, um, all of these things that they were not meant to have in their body, that doesn't go away once you process them. It's still in their muscle. It's still in their meat. We're eating that hormone. Mm -hmm. What is it doing to us? And so I know 
as a mom, I'm giving her the absolute best that I can to make sure that as she is growing, she's getting what she needs. And when I start talking to people that are kind of questioning, like, is this, is this a good thing or a bad thing? And we start talking, like, you know what? We've never thought about that. And I'm like, because nobody talks about it because they don't want mm-hmm. you to talk about it. They don't want you to think about it. They want you right. to go and buy and, and, and move on. And like, if you really start thinking about it, I mean, even canning, going back to canning, what preservatives mm-hmm. and what kind of stuff are in the can that you get at the grocery store. Yeah. Um, when I'm canning, all I put is a little bit of salt and, right. and that's it. And it's, it's all natural, all fresh. There's nothing right. added to it. So when we're eating a green bean, it is simply a green bean. There's right. nothing in it. Um, and so when you start to think about all of this stuff that we have been putting into our bodies, um, especially, you know, as a disabled vet, my body's not already, it's already had issues. Mm-hmm. Why would I add more to that to make it worse? Yeah. So, you know, I'm stuck with this body, can't get another one. I should probably start taking care of it. Yeah. This is just, you know, the beginning of the journey of making sure that as I get older too, like as much as I worry about her, I also worry about me. Like as yeah. I get older, I don't want to put stuff in my body that'll keep me from living the best life as I can cuz like we're not getting younger. Right. <laughs> we're just gonna keep getting older. Right. Um and nobody talks about that, which is really yeah. weird. You should just oh. have a farm. Like just yeah. do it. Move move somewhere and do it. <laughs> I don't do mornings, Tara. (laughs) You know what? I don't do either. So anybody out there that's listening to this, if you have a teenager, if you're living this life and you have a teenager, here's what you do. We got Kylie a car. It wasn't an expensive car. We got her a little car and we make the car payments. And we told her her job is to help feed and take care of the animals. Um, Because I mean, now she's older. She's 16. um, But she has to do that. That's how she gets her car. If she does not help me with that, she does not drive her car. Right. It's a very easy concept. Yeah. Um, and that has been the ultimate game changer. <laughs> Everybody's like, because I am not a morning person. Everybody that knows me, I am not a morning person. Um, but, and I'm also like super busy because I still have a house to hold, a household to run. I still have, you know, my business to run. My husband's deployed. Mm-hmm. Like life is super, super busy. And um, I've had many people ask me, well, I just don't think, and you've asked me, I don't know how you're doing it. Like, yeah, I don't know gonna, how you do all you do. How you do it. Um, but it, I do have a teenager that's helping me now. Let's interview in about three years when she's moved out. <laughs> and yeah. I have to do this all by myself. Yeah. But we I was going to say, I don't have kids, Tara. So. <laughs> yeah. We do not feed ourselves. We do not feed animals in the morning. We feed them in the evening because yeah. we are not morning people. Yeah. And then we found ways to do like automatic feeders mm-hmm. um, so that if I am gone or if I have because it happens still, I still have really bad nights or we have a really busy schedule or I have to go somewhere and I have to spend the night. I have automatic feeders and have everything set up so that if I had to be gone for more than, you know, like eight to 12 hours, yeah. you know, it's, it's just being responsible, right? Like making sure right. that they have what they need to survive and um, is thinking ahead and planning. I mean, there's spur of the moment trips like if we somebody calls me and they're like yeah. we're gonna go to vegas I'm like well you're gonna have to give me like three hours to go get everybody ready before i can leave so i mean things are changing but yeah i'm not i'm not a morning person but uh it's still it'll still work we just have yeah. to do it different than somebody else so i mean they're they're doing their part because you know 50 years ago the kids were out i mean we grew up in an Amish community. So the kids are out there. Like that's right. just, it's yeah. not even a job or a chore. That's just what you do. That's like life. you're part of the yeah. family. You have to do it. And so 
teaching the next generation on mm-hmm. how to do this because like I said, society's not going to teach anybody how to do this. Right. Um, in fact, I think they don't want us to know how to do this. I think yeah. they want us to to be, you know, solely dependent on them. And so we have to teach that next generation so that, you know, they can learn that this is out there. And I would feel really bad if it went away because the quality of our food would suck. Like mm-hmm. it would absolutely, I mean, the flavor, if you have never eaten um, an animal that, you know, it, we'll stick with pig because that's my favorite, right? If you have never eaten a pork chop that was home raised, mm-hmm. you need to go try one because it is a completely different experience than the pork chops you get at the store. So yeah. I feel bad. Like, I mean, those inner foodies, the people that are just doing this, like me, that just because I love the food so <laughs> right. much. Um, if this goes away, <laughs> that right. really good food is going to go away with it. Right. And there's no amount of salt and pepper that's going to change that. Like, yeah, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Can't salt and pepper your way out of that kind of thing. No, that should be a new t-shirt that we could totally make that. I can't salt and pepper my way out. Right. Um, yeah. Because be it doesn't good. change it. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a different, it's a whole different experience. Um, I'm, I'm super glad. I mean, I, I think John actually reached out to me to, to go first as a photographer. I met um, Brittany there at right. SD Gunner. So, I mean, I, obviously I was supposed to be there at that time yeah. and place uh, because that has changed my life like uh, 110% since that moment. So, yeah, that's very cool. So as we wrap up, is there anything that you can uh, can think of that that you might want people to know that we haven't already talked about? So they tell you not to name your animals. I don't, I, I definitely thought that I would feel that way until I met John too. Um, mm-hmm. So if anybody tells you, if you do this, don't name them, they're lying. <laughs> you can name your animals um, because they are special. They do have a purpose. Um, we did name our first pigs breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's probably not the appropriate names, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we, they are, I don't, they're not pets, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, my goats are pets. They're my yeah. babies. They, yeah. they have, they all have names. Um, but we, we've even started naming like our turkeys and some of the ducks have names, um, because they're important and they mean mm-hmm. a lot and they have a, they have a job. There's a reason why they're here. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not just hanging out in the yard. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, make it personal. Like you're doing something personal. You're doing something for your family or, you know, I'm going to be making milk so that I can sell it so that people can bake really good stuff to give to families. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why this is being done. Um, so if you ever hear, don't name your animals, just name them. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Good and it's easier. It's easier when something's wrong. Kylie can't run in like the turkey and I'm like, which turkey? <laughs> like I need to know which one has a problem. Right. Um, so we can't, I mean, we need to know what's going on and really, um, th- there's also no app. I didn't know way do I have time to make an app, but there is, n- there's no software or apps or anything to help you manage. So learn how to keep track of, um, I mean, our goats do get a shot. They get a shot once a, once a year for tetanus. Cause obviously we don't need tetanus in our life. Um, right. but I mean, keeping track of, of what you're doing and where you're going and, you know, writing that down and making those connections and networking, 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 because that's how you're going to keep in this environment because you have to have people that think like you, mm-hmm. um, but keep track of all that. If you meet somebody, take their information down, add them on Facebook, you know, really keep everything. Cause I, you can, you can get so busy that you don't remember 
you know, what week it is, what day it is, what time it is. Um, right. So, you know, really, really keep track of everything because it's really easy to forget um, because it's really easy to get really busy. So <laughs> just make sure you keep track, find a way to keep track of stuff. We have a whiteboard. We write stuff down on the whiteboard mm-hmm. um, because it, it's, there's so much more to this than just saying, I'm going to go buy a goat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially because you're, you're also breeding animals and yeah, we don't want surprises. Yeah. Like, kind of want to know. Um, that's why we did it all at one time. And we only had the boy in the yard for so long so that we knew mm-hmm. that everybody's been bred. Um, and then it, I think another big decision is trying to figure out who you're going to breed. Um, so that's always fun. <laughs> that's just, yeah. But everybody's been breeding animals. Like people breed dogs all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is our first big breed. So March should be fun. Um, I do have a Facebook page. I have a really hard time remembering to post stuff on the Facebook page, <laughs> uh, but we do have Ruby's Roosting Ranch out on Facebook. So I'm sure as the babies come next March, we'll start posting those. And then okay. having a business, we're going to use them in the photos. So we're going to oh, do yeah. some spring photos with the baby goats. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be good. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. I really appreciate it. And you're welcome. All your insights on your homesteading journey (laughs) on my crazy life yeah it's always fun (laughs) to see what you've been up to and now for a quick word from our sponsor way green is a nonprofit organization based out of waycross georgia dedicated to improving accessibility to healthy food and food education throughout their community the work they do is all about strengthening the local food system by inspiring and empowering the growth distribution and consumption of healthy local food for more information visit www org. Thanks for joining us at the table today and being a part of the conversation. If you haven't already, head on over to our website, southernsoil.org, and be sure to sign up for our newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. As always, support your local farmers and let's grow our local food communities together. Have a great day.